For Arizona Public Media, I'm Tim Swindle, Director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Siren Parthasarathy, a professor of medicine and the chief of the University of Arizona's Division of Pulmonary, Allergy, Critical Care, and Sleep Medicine. Welcome, Sai. Thank you. You've adapted a respiratory assist device that could ease the shortage of ventilators that COVID-19 pandemic could create. Could you explain a little bit about how your device works? The device actually, I would say, is sort of a triangle offense, sort of taking some basketball concept there. One is that it uses a helium-oxygen gas mixture. Two, it uses a close breathing circuit, which comes inherently with something called a CO2 scrubber, which I'll explain. And uh, the third concept is, is that low flow, low pressure system. So going back to the heliox, what the heliox does is, is that it reduces the density of the gas. So the gas goes in and out of the lungs more easily. The second aspect is sort of the rebreathing aspect to conserve the helium, which was the original invention. But then in COVID, we realized that what it does is it conserves and prevents the virus particles from being exhaled so that when a patient is breathing on the system, they will not infect other patients in the hospital, other patients in the clinic, or the healthcare provider. The third principle we originally invented was a low flow, low pressure system. Most respiratory assist devices or RAD devices uses high pressure and high flow. And that actually is very uncomfortable. And that makes people not use the device regularly. And so the low flow, low pressure was meant to ease their comfort level and use the device more or improve the adherence. But in COVID, it not only helps with that situation, but it also helps with certain aspects of respiratory physiology where it can actually help the patient breathe better. What is the gas mixture that normal ventilators use? They use nitrox, which is what we are breathing right now. We're breathing a combination of predominantly nitrogen and about 20% or 20.9 to be precise of oxygen. And that uh, nitrogen is much more denser uh, than helium. So when you do a helium oxygen mixture, it's one seventh, it's a fraction, uh, one of seven portions of the density of the nitrox, a nitrogen oxygen mixture that we're breathing right now. I know that helium is not always easy to acquire. How often do you have to replace the helium? If we were to use this device in the patient's home, how often should we be distributing uh, the tank to them? And we came up with best case scenario, one is to 48 days. Worst case scenario, once in 21 days that we'd be delivering tanks, which is not dissimilar from how we are delivering tanks of oxygen to patients with COPD. The Tesla mentioned one of the issues is, is that they had to create charging stations across the country so that you can actually do you know, interstate travel using an electric car. But for us, that infrastructure already exists. Patients with COPD do get delivered oxygen tanks to their home uh, by various companies. All they will be doing now is in the same frequency be delivering Heliox tanks. And that was for home use, which is a future use. Uh, but the COVID situation made us pivot to the COVID problem. And there are huge advantages of a respiratory assist device there. And what are some of those advantages? With our system, they can be breathing spontaneously. They can do belly breathing, lie on their stomach, requiring less sedation as well. We are running out of sedative medications nationwide. There's a shortage for fentanyl. Because if someone had a tube down their throat, they need to be sedated so that they are not uncomfortable. 
And the last thing is, is that our system is a confined system and it's an admin advantage where it protects the patients by not putting high pressure into their lungs and stomping on the blood vessels, but it also protects other patients in the hospital, other healthcare providers, by not subjecting them to the virus particle and secondary infection. How long will it take to get this to market? The company is planning on doing a rapid uh, FDA approval and production of the device. We're talking in weeks, but I don't have a, a precise timeline. Is that time that it takes to get up and running, is that production and distribution or is uh, that the approval process that takes the time? It's an approval process and a, a lot of requirements that comes with the approval process, but it's also uh, a production-related process. Well, thank you for joining us, Sai. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity and your interest. This is Tim Swindle, and this has been Arizona Science. You can also listen to this and other Arizona Science segments by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.